Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. I'm really excited for today's episode because I have long wanted Omaha to have a legit deli like I feel like that was something that we were missing and so I got really excited when I started seeing social media posts several months ago about this upcoming place called Phil's Deli and I was so excited in fact I was one of those crazy people who showed up the first day like as the restaurant was opening for the first time I was like I need to try this and I still remember wolfing down that first pastrami sandwich like that was what got me to come back into Phil's But as I continue to kind of explore the menu and talk to the employees and especially owner uh, Craig Hoffman, that's what really kind of, that that gave me reasons to love Phil's that extended beyond the sandwiches. This place has some serious heart, and that's because of my guest today, Craig Hoffman. Craig, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Uh, I'm happy to be here. So I just, to start things off, for someone who hasn't been to Phil's, I find it to be a very different sandwich experience than any I've had in Omaha. So I just kind of want to let you, let you cook right off the bat. What separates Phil's and this deli specifically just from the typical sandwich shop that one might expect? Uh, well, we, uh, my business partner, Chaz Klein and I, uh, very early on kind of, discussed what our vision for Phil's uh, would be or should be. Um, And of course, you know, over the course of a year or so, as we kind of got closer and closer to opening, um, that vision kind of changes a little bit. Um, uh, There's stuff that you don't anticipate or things that you uh, forget about. Um, but we always kind of had a very clear idea that we wanted it to be kind of a New York style uh, Jewish deli, which is fortunate because I'm Jewish, so I've got the pedigree uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, a lot of the recipes. So um, it was like uh, half of the work was done, and then we just needed to build it and kind of create that aesthetic. Uh, in the space. Um, And again, I think we talked about this a while back in one of our first conversations, but I'm a very firm believer of uh, kind of the space dictates the flow or what your restaurant will be. Um, Because if you try to cram something into a space that the space doesn't want, it's going to, it's not going to work. It'll it'll look forced or it'll, you know, essentially just kind of buck you off, uh, to use a a horse metaphor. Um, and so, uh, very early on, we realized that Phil's was thankfully going to kind of let us, um, channel that kind of New York, uh, vibe, which, you know, I think we actually, uh, hit it pretty well on the head. Um, in what way, in what way does the space, evoke that New York because I'm someone who's not been to New York well, I've not been to a New York deli so like w- what are you describing well you know it's it's a kind of a just kind of a narrow spot um and uh we knew kind of early on that that space we were fighting for basically every inch um and so we had to utilize the space 
uh, very specifically to achieve what we wanted to achieve. Um, and thankfully, that kind of lended itself to that kind of very narrow, kind of old school New York building vibe. Because um, a lot of small little delis uh, in New York are just these kind of narrow um, spots where the stuff kind of piled up on the floor and, uh, you know, there's not a lot of room and, um, you know, there's a lot of kind of commotion uh, in various points of the day, uh, whether it's orders coming in or people standing around or me being loud and trying to talk as I'm making sandwiches, you know. So, and, you know, thankfully, like I said, I feel like we kind of nailed it because on several occasions, uh, I've had people come in that are from the East Coast and have been like, oh, my God, I walked in, and uh, it was like I was back home. Oh, that's the validation. And so, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, you, you hear stuff like that, and as much as I love uh, seeing people take that first bite of the sandwich and their face lighting up, like, it was also, you know, uh, that was like the equivalent of that moment in like yes we did it like we we got it and so um yeah it's you know it's it's hard to kind of describe uh that kind of feeling but um yeah it's very exciting it's very exciting Mm -hmm. one of the things that i think in my mind at least (laughs) separates phil's from a lot of the sandwich shops that i've been to is like we're kind of in the age of like gourmet food and especially gourmet sandwiches where yeah. every sandwich has like 17 ingredients yeah. and there's six different vegetables and three meats and, and just all kinds of stuff to the point where you bite in and you can't like find any individual flavor. It's just this amalgamation of yeah. things. What I love about Phil's is just the simplicity of it. Most sandwiches are bread, meat, cheese, and a spread. It's like... Yeah. It's like the simplicity in a wonderful slice of cheese pizza or an omelet yeah. or some like a really well-made omelet. There's not a lot of stuff on top of it. It just allows the ingredients to sing themselves. Right, what was the the method behind that strategy of, hey, let's just keep it in a world of crazy sandwiches. <laughs> let's keep it simple here. Um, that is actually, uh, as a chef, you know, you go through your kind of career, or at least for me, I shouldn't use a sweeping generalization because, you know, chefs are as varied as the people, you know, that you meet every day uh, and their personalities and their goals and aspirations are all wildly different. But for me anyway, um, when I was coming up, you know, it was because I come from a fine dining kind of background. And so everything was, you know, how high can you make it on the plate and how many touches can you have on the plate and, you know, the more, the better, the higher, the better. Um, and so uh, as I got older, I found that um, I became less concerned about how elegant everything looked on the plate and how many touches. It just could became kind of distilled into how can I make this delicious? You know, how can I make this flavorful? Um and what I found was more times than not that it, the, the path to that was not adding more ingredients, but actually uh, holding back and having less ingredients. Um, because it, simplicity is one of the hardest things to kind of nail down. Uh, because in this day and age, or, you know, everybody's so concerned about trying to cram as much uh, into their food. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. You know, I, I have a lot of friends that have amazing restaurants and they do amazing things with a lot of ingredients. Um, for me personally, I found that when I, or especially now these days, as I've gotten older, um, the less I try to force it, uh, the better things are. And, uh, so if that means, you know, having a sandwich with three ingredients, then that's the sandwich, you know. Um, and it it initially is kind of hard to 
force yourself to not because you know your initial thought is like get you know a dagwood sandwich you uh-huh. know, it's like four it's feet. hard to edit yeah you know um yeah exactly and uh because then too you know from a business standpoint it's like are you, are you giving people value for their dollar because as we all know you know people work hard for their money and whether there's the value is there or not it's a lot about perceived value and um if somebody looks at a sandwich or a product and says, well, that, that certainly wasn't worth, you know, 12 bucks or 15 bucks. Um, then you've already kind of lost the fight. Uh, but if you can say a lot with a little and have people say, Oh my gosh, you know, I had to eat the other half for dinner or, you know, I had it, whatever, then, you know, you've done something right. Um, and that goes back to, kind of that New York feel is, you know, you look at delis there and there's these gigantic sandwiches and, you know, it's like, how do I even approach that thing? So we knew that we wanted to kind of give people the value that we kind of expected that we should offer or, you know, that you would expect. Um, and so, uh, you know, going back to the simplicity of it, you know, it just seemed like if we could get quality ingredients and if we could, if I could uh, make, you know, like the apple butter or, you know, the horseradish aioli or the pickles or the, you know, everything kind of simply but deliciously, then I knew that the people would be there because, you know, um, that's just what you have to believe, you know, mm-hmm. you just are like, so, uh, that was a, I mean, a, a very long winded way of saying, um, I just got to a point in my life where simplicity, uh, is key. And the way to, at least for me to make a delicious product, um, is not to try to overthink it, but find the ingredients and then work with them until I am like, I would totally eat that sandwich, you know, a lot. Um, and then I know that I have something, at least to start with. And then I throw it on the menu or run it as a special. And if nobody buys it, then it's just like, well, okay, back, we're back to, the, to drawing the drawing board. board. <laughs> so, and I, you know, eventually we'll start having kind of weekly specials um, and stuff like that. I've have, I have a few kind of ideas uh, bumping around uh, right now. So, yeah. That was absolutely beautifully said. And I want to add that I think something that allows you to be simple is you start with a great base bread. You guys have partnered with the Lithuanian Bakery. Yep. They're making your rolls. They're making your rye bread. They're making your everything bagel for the bagels and locks. So when you start with a quality product like that, it makes it – it allows the the other ingredients to sing a little bit more. Oh, absolutely. Because, yeah, you're starting from a great base. Yeah, that was just a really happy coincidence. Um, the bread, oh my gosh, I had so much, so many issues trying to find the right bread. Um, it's something that you take for granted because you're just like, well, it's bread, you know. Right. Bread is bread, but bread is not <laughs> bread. Um, and I... Looked and you know, there's a lot of amazing bread in Omaha, but I knew uh, that. And the approach to Phil's was I wanted to have a lot of things that weren't readily available in Omaha. So there's a lot of great places, but a lot of places use Rotellas, and a lot of places, you know, you just see the same kind of chips or this or that, you know. And so I wanted to, it was a very conscious decision to say. Look, it would be very easy to go this route and to have this product, which would be a fine product. But I knew, I knew in my head that I knew what I was looking for, and uh, I'm a, I can be very stubborn. And so, if I have an idea of what it is in my head, if it's if it doesn't translate to that in real life, then it's then it's absolutely no, just like I'm inconsolable. And so I 
spent, you know, I don't know how many months looking for bread, both here and, I mean, I was looking at bakeries in Michigan and Wisconsin and New York, and I just couldn't, I was having these products sent to me, and, and every time I would get it, like, it would be like, the flavor is good, but it's small loaf, and it's doesn't, it's not what's in my head. Mm-hmm. And so there were just these very specific ideas that needed to be ticked off in my head. And if one thing wasn't right, then it was not going to work. And so uh, I think just I was like at work looking at like a wholesale company. I mean, I was down to wholesale companies just trying to find bread that would do what I wanted it to do. And I saw um, the Lithuanian tort being sold. And I immediately kind of was like, ah, you know, I don't know why I didn't even think about the Lithuanian bakery. So I, I just immediately, I called up the, the bakery and I got, uh, Dan Makovicius answered, uh, who is a lovely guy. Like he's, uh, um, just truly amazing. And, uh, I said, Hey, and this is going to sound really weird, but I'm, I'm trying to open a deli and I need a rye bread. Do you guys, do you make rye bread? Do you, you know, can you make a rye bread? And he immediately was like, yeah, sure. So the next question was, well, can you make my rye bread? And he was like, I can certainly try. So we just met for like a month and a half. Uh, And so the initial meeting was like, here's the rye bread that we make. And I was like, it's good, but I have a little bit more specificity in mind and he's like okay he's like tell me what you want and then the next week we would get together and he's like I baked this loaf and I said it's good but it needs to be a little more this and uh, a little less this and could you do something with this you know and he's and you know to his credit he never was like get the hell out of my bakery (laughs) you know don't tell me how to do my job like he was just like yeah okay and every week we would just go back and he'd be like okay, this is what I baked. And it would be like, that's, we're getting there, just a little more salt or whatever, you know. And after like a month and a half, he was like, okay, this is what I got. And I tasted it and I was like, that's exactly it. Like, that's the bread that's in my head. And he's like, well, I knew we would get there, you know. Um, and so it was just, it was I mean, it was very hard, but it was very simple. Once I found the road to walk down, the path was very smooth. Um, And to get there was just like a a small journey. Um, And then it was like, my gosh, you know, you this rye bread. And it's a rye bread that is specific to Phil's. Like, you can't get this rye bread anywhere else, which is kind of a nice thing. It's our signature rye. Um, And afterwards, I said... Can you do you have any like other breads like a like a hoagie roll? And he's like, well, we have these little, he had these little roll, these little dinner rolls, and he called them brochen, which means I think like a little roll in Lithuanian. And I said, I tasted it, and I was like, that's exactly what I want. You know, I was like, can you turn these into longer, like rolls? Or and he's like, yeah, sure. And. uh I was like, oh, my God, I can't even believe that I spent this much time trying to scour the states looking for this bread when it was right here in South Omaha the entire time. And, uh, yeah, it was just a incre- like an incredible partnership that thankfully uh, kind of coalesced in, like, my time of need, you know. Uh, you know, and, and so it was just like, and I was like, do you do bagels? You know, just, and he was like, yeah, we got something that's like, that's a bagel. And I was like, can you everything it up? And he's like, yeah, I think so. And I, I mean, it was just like, once we got there, it was just that, e- like, it was literally that easy. Um, and so uh, the partnership has been fantastic. And it's one that I am truly, truly grateful for um, because it's, you know, well, they probably needed no, you know, help from me as far as uh, 
advertisements or, you know, uh, props or anything like that. I definitely needed them because I'm this, you know, fledgling restaurant that's trying to come out swinging. And, uh, you know, thankfully they gave me that kind of punching power. Um, and then, like you said, you know, everything after that, like everything you put on that bread is that much more, uh, pronounced or better because the bread that's the canvas mm-hmm. you know and then everything else relies on that because if your bread's terrible you know it doesn't it's matter how have a great yeah you know like you bread, can yeah. muddle through it and be like you know it was okay <laughs> but yeah so it it really it was one of those kind of happy accidents that uh uh to this day i i still kind of pinch myself because i I'm like, oh, God, you know, thank God these guys were around because I don't know what I would have done. I would still be looking for bread, I feel like. Yeah. So I think that shows you why, you know, Lithuanian Bakery has been around since 1962 and why it's so beloved. Not yeah. only do they make great products, but they have great service and they're willing to work with people. Yeah. So. And like I said, Dan was just uh, amazing from from start to now. He's been just uh, like a, it's been a great partnership. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I can't say that I'm grateful enough to him and his family. So, uh, Dan, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about certified Piedmontese. I love when restaurant menus list all the different producers and farms where their meats, cheeses, and vegetables arrive from. It gives me confidence that I'm eating a quality product because the restaurant is proud to attach its name to the brand. The same goes for beef, and that's one of the main reasons why I love Certified Piedmontese. Certified Piedmontese is farm-to-fork traceable as it purchases its cattle from a trusted network of family ranches in the Midwest. All Certified Piedmontese beef is raised without hormones, steroids, or antibiotics, and it's 100% source verified by Where Food Comes From Incorporated. And when you buy Certified Piedmontese, you know where your food is coming from and why it tastes so good. Place your order today on Piedmontese.com with my promo code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, and feast on delicious, safe cuts of beef with confidence. And now, back to my guest. So, okay, let's get into the no substitutions policy because (laughs) this is something that I absolutely love. It's on your website. It's on your menus. I think you're willing to bend this rule a little bit, but you you have a no substitutions policy. Tell me about this and why you instituted it. Um. I, you know, it's anybody that has worked in the food service industry knows the, um, knows the mantra, you know, the customer is always right. You, you know, you bend over backwards for them. Um, and it's true up to a point. Uh, I think we have gotten, uh, and don't, this is by no means like a, a manifesto against, uh, customers uh because uh you know honestly without them then i got nothing so um however that being said um and this is through no fault of their own uh i think like anything you know you get kind of subconsciously trained like this is okay to do this this is okay because nobody says no then you you know what are you supposed to think and I have worked in this industry long enough where, you know, and, and I've worked in various degrees of this. And so the kind of examples that I'll give are probably some of the more extreme. Um, but the, the concept of, uh, you know, the customer can ask for whatever. Um, and what people don't understand is, if, you know, if you were creating a menu – if you're a chef and you're creating a dish, you work very hard to craft that dish. It's not just like, I just slapped a bunch of stuff together and, you know, and there you go. Uh, no, it's, you know, there's a, there's a thought process and a, a thoughtfulness to developing a dish or a menu or, um, or anything like that, you know. And the reason that a chef or a cook puts these items together is because it creates um, a specific flavor profile or um, or something like that. And so it, it it's not just like slapdash um, 
No, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. You know, of course it does. But for the most part, uh, menus are, are, are finely crafted. Um, thoughtfully made. Yes, exactly. Um, and so when a person comes in and says, hey, you know what, I know how to do this better. They're not saying that with their words, but they're saying that with their attitude, essentially. When they say, well, I'd like it, I'd like this, but I don't, you know, I don't take this off, take this off, add this, you know, and uh, add this. Uh, and I'll give you a very specific example of that here in a second. Um, but it's, it's kind of not so subtle slap in the face. Right. Um, and I think more times than not, if we're being honest as cooks and chefs, you know, we cringe every time somebody starts picking apart our meals and our attitude kind of gets to be, you know, over the course of time, it's like, Hey, you know what? I don't come down to your work and tell you how to do your job. Trust me to do mine, you know, and we'll be fine. You'll have a great time, a lovely experience, have a, have another glass of wine or whatever. And you'll be, you'll be perfect. Everything will be, everybody will be happy. Uh, unfortunately it doesn't necessarily work all that well sometimes. Um, for example, uh, I was at this restaurant um, as the sous chef, and a guy came in, sat at the bar. He looked at the menu, and uh, he decided that he didn't want anything that we had on the menu, but he wanted ingredients from various uh, oh, items on the menu. So he took a napkin, and he wrote down uh every ingredient that he wanted from different menu items. And he said, this is what I want. Now the owner of the place had a very distinct policy that said, you know, the customer is always right. You do whatever the customer wants. And I mean, that's now that is like the most extreme uh, circumstance. So I'm not saying that everybody that does that is like this guy, but you know, it's, it's your, you know, once you start down that path, that's the, that's where it leads. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying that people are wrong wanting things the way they want them. But if you're going out and you uh, are going to a place that, you know, that isn't, you know, a fast food joint or a subway or, you know, someplace that is specifically designed as like, you build your own, you yeah, know. It's designed around customization. Yeah. Then you should be a little more, um, should be a little more kind of cognizant of the fact that this is somebody's baby. This is somebody's, you know, life's work. This is somebody's blood, sweat, and tears that they've poured into this. And so just to casually kind of, pick it apart and say, you know what, whatever you did just isn't, isn't good enough. This is the way I like it. And I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily feel bad, but I've told people, I said there, you know, there's a lovely place down the street. It's called your house. And it, you know, you can have whatever sandwich you want there. Now, um, like I said, it's not, uh, it's not necessarily that I hate substitutions, but I knew when I said, okay, I'm going to do this, that um, there, were, there were kind of limits to what I wanted to concede. Um, and one of those was that ability for people to pick apart my menu. Now, a lot of it, too, you said, that, you know, there's – kind of willing to bend and I am because it's really, and if you're listening and you are prone to substitutions, this goes a long way. It's all in your approach. Now, if you come in and you say, I want this and this, but I want this on this bread or this or this, then it's never going to happen. Never. Cause it's all about your attitude. If you come in and you're very polite and you're like, listen, I know, um, that, uh, you don't normally do this. Like I will, I am happy to kind of work. You're a reasonable guy. I, I try to be. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> ask some of my friends. I'm probably not that reasonable, but I am willing to kind of 
find a way that uh, satisfies both of our needs and wants. Um, so, like, uh, we, you know, we will take anything off, whether it's because you don't like something or you're allergic to something. But the substitutions, I don't do a lot of. What I will do is, like, uh, you know, if somebody wants, you know, the mustard on the garden or, you know, this on this, I will give them a side and, uh, and be like, you know, it, if you put it on there after, cause whatever you do with it, after you pay for it, like that's, that's for you. Like I told somebody, you can go out in the middle of the street, take the sandwich, turn around, look through the window, flip me off and throw it on the ground and kick it down the street. That's fine. Once you've walked out the door with it and paid for it, it's your sandwich. So I, I will give people the means to achieve what they want, but it's going to be kind of on my terms. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I think, uh, and I, I have put myself in the position where I am able to do that. Um, and it's purely selfish. Uh, it's not because I don't like substitutions. It's just because I'm old and curmudgeonly and set in my ways now. And I've, like I said, I've kind of worked to put myself in the position where um, if I don't want to do something, I don't have to do it. And it's, that's the nice part of being an owner is, you know, you have that freedom. And then when somebody's like, I want to talk to your manager, I'm like, I am the manager. You're talking you know, like, to him, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's, it, when I say it out loud, it seems like I'm being very unreasonable. But, you know, in my heart of hearts, I know that for me it's the right decision, and I hope. And so far, it hasn't really. It's been a kind of a non-issue. Um, most people are, you know, like, oh, okay, I get it. So, um, yeah, I'm sure that there'll be peaks and valleys with that. I don't think it's unreasonable at all, and I, I love your answer for two distinct reasons. The first one is just as a diner showing respect to the chef and saying, you know what, Th this is. It's kind of like what you said. This is your baby. This is what you created. I'm not going to try and paint on your Mona Lisa. I'm just going <laughs> to look at it, admire it, and then eat it, I guess. That's where that <laughs> analogy kind of falls apart. But but there's a respect there. And also, and this is something I'm, like, hyper aware of, I'm not a good cook. I don't, like, I love to eat, and I have a general understanding of what flavors go together. But you someone who spent a career in this business, yeah. you understand good food and how to layer flavors infinitely better than I do. So who am I to tell you that I know how to build this sandwich better than you do? You have a career. You have a history. Like, this is part of your heritage. Like, I, I think that there's just a, a built-in, not, not only respect, but just like a, hey, I'm not going to tell Michael Jordan how to adjust his jump shot here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. let's just let him do his thing. Yeah, you know, it's... It's uh, it's funny you you know. You just said history, and it kind of sparked a little something in me because, you know, you look and as I said earlier, I have a lot of friends that own places or have been in the industry. You know, this like Phil's doesn't happen, uh, you know, in a vacuum. Um, there's so many, I have so many, kind of people in my life to thank. You know, people that, like, blazed trails, you know, years and years ago. You know, you have people like Jen Coco and uh, Paul and Jess Urban and, uh, you know, Joel Marr and Dave Utterback. And you have all these people kind of gone out and they've done it and they have succeeded and they've had hurdles and they, you know, and, and none of that happens um, kind of without giving a nod to what came before. And so it's, you know, I, I'm grateful every day that I'm like in the company of, of these amazing chefs and people that have uh, kind of contributed to the culinary landscape here in such valuable ways, if only just for saying it's possible, you know, cause that's, that's something that you never, think about until you have to think about it. And you're like, can I do this? You know, is this possible? And thankfully, you know, I can look back and say, well, yes, it's possible because, you know, Jen Coco 
was there, you know, uh, just demanding to be heard and demanding that people respect her and her craft. And then, you know, you have the urbans who were like, we have this idea, you know, and I, I worked with Paul and Jess uh, at Darwin Bistro, the initial kind of, uh, the precursor to Block 16. And that was just a, a heady time for me because it was a lot of us from culinary school and we were just like, we really thought of ourselves as like this guerrilla kind of warfare, you know, assault on, on Omaha's culinary landscape. And we were just trying to push the boundaries and uh, do stuff that nobody else was doing and do it on such a way that it would keep our costs down because the owner was like, you know, if you're not, you know, if you're not turning a profit, then you're, you're done. So we were, you know, it's, it's these amazing people that, that came before me that really solidified kind of this, this idea in my head, like, it's okay. Like I can do this. I know I can do this now because I've seen it happen time and time again. And so, you know, I, I would be remiss if I, if I didn't, you know, take a moment and say, you know, to all those people and to all those people that I'm forgetting, you know, like, thank you so much for allowing somebody to dream and say, like, I can achieve this dream. I just have to work very hard and be very focused. And, you know, but it's, I know that it's possible um, because of those people that came before me and kind of hacked the trail, you know, and said, this is the way, come on, you know, like you, you might be a little bit behind us, but you're still on the path. And so it's, uh, it's really been this last like two months have just been amazing. Um, so I'm just really over the moon to be kind of in such amazing company, uh, when it comes to kind of restaurant tours and, and, uh, and you know, friends. So, so many of those people that you just mentioned are like pillars yeah. of the Omaha restaurant community. They are what really helped shape the Omaha culinary scene into what it is now. Moving from just oh, here's a bunch of chains and maybe some steakhouses and some burger joints yeah. to places that are being willing to try different things and offer you know new cuisines and it, oh, it's really absolutely. enlivened the scene and made it exciting. Take me back, like, tell me more, like, I love that term that you use, the, like, the guerrilla movement. Like, tell yeah. me more about that. What was that like as you guys were kind of reshaping what Omaha food could look like? Um, you know, like I said, it was a real heady time because we knew, we knew, and I, I think I even said at some point, uh, probably with a lot of other people, that, you know, at that point in time, I, you know, I was looking... 10 years down the road. And I said, 10 years down the road, this culinary scene is going to look so much different than from your chains and this and that, because, you know, you, you could just f kind of feel it. You didn't know exactly what it was, but you could feel it. And I'm using little air quotes when I say it, um, because of those people, like you could just tell there was like an electricity to it all. Um, and to watch these people kind of come from, you know, these humble beginnings and like we're all just kind of finding our footing as, as young chefs and, and cooks and whatever else, um, you know, there was, I guess, I guess that's the closest thing that I could, it was like guerrilla tactics, you know, it was this real run and gun kind of movement um, because we all knew that there, I guess that there was, there was something more. We didn't know exactly probably what, and maybe some of us did. I mean, there's a lot of smart, smart people in the, in that group, you know, that could probably see definitely what was coming and they knew that they wanted to be a part of it and they knew how they were going to be a part of it. Um, you know, I probably had an inkling, but I, you know, I had, I hadn't developed kind of the, 
the long view yet, but I knew that there was something coming. And so to kind of watch the progression of these people who I hold in very high regard um, and just watch them kind of succeed and know that, my gosh, you know, I was around when, you know, like you, you, you think like people that know like rock bands or whatever, like I was at their first show, you know, this yeah. and that. It's kind of like that, you know, you see these, you see these people and the amazing things that they're doing now. And uh, like, I remember when that guy burned the bacon, you know, like, uh, you know, it's so it's, it's amazing to, again, like I said, be kind of in that company. Um, it's very humbling. Uh, this whole, this whole experience has been incredibly humbling. Um, you know, you know, you, you never know exactly how things are going to work. And I mean, the, the wheels might still come off. We're only two months into this. <laughs> you know, I, I still have probably plenty of time to mess this up, but, um, you know, coming up in that time, you just, you kind of got a sense that there was a big change coming to the Omaha landscape. And it was exciting just to be kind of a part of that in so much as, um, you know, I'm working with these people, I'm working in restaurants, and I'm kind of on the vanguard of this push for, for change or push for innovation or, you know, um, just, you know, this push for everything um, that we wanted. And so it was just, it was exciting just to be a part of that in so much as like, I'm in, I'm in the mix, you know, now to kind of transition to actually being somebody that is contributing, you know, cause that's really the goal is to, or at least for me, part of the goal is, uh, to be the Paul and Jess or the Jen Coco or the Joel Marr or the Ben Maids or, you know, any countless, like I said, there's a ton of people, Dave Utterback, um, you know, countless people that I'm forgetting that are just these amazing uh, people kind of pushing the envelope constantly in, in the culinary scene here. But for me now to be hopefully one of those kind of touchstones to somebody else that says, oh my gosh, I can do it because the Jen Cocos, the Paul and Jesses, you know, the Craig Hoffmans, you know, it's, it's, um, it's amazing kind of, it's a burden because you want to be that and you want to be uh, successful and, and, and show people that it's possible to succeed. Um, so, it, I mean, there's a, a burden kind of aspect to it, but it's also, you know, like this amazing responsibility. Um, and it's not one that I take lightly, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. So I, I mean, I guess ultimately at the end of the day, if I can be what those people were to me, to somebody else, it'll all be worth it. You know, if somebody is like, I can do this because, you know, these people showed me how and the way, then, you know, I mean, that's, that's an amazing uh, opportunity. Yeah. Couldn't so, agree more. So at what point, like, you know, you talked about how Omaha's culinary scene is shifting. It's changing. It's, it's, um, it's just becoming, it's transforming. It's becoming something completely new. You were kind of working behind the scenes and working at different restaurants while all this is happening, working with all these cool people. At what point did you say, this is great, I'm affecting change, but I want to get out in front. I want to open my own place. Like, at what point did Phil's, or maybe maybe it wasn't even Phil's, but just some kind of, I want to own my own restaurant, I want to do my own, when did that start percolating in your brain? Oh, very early, very early. Um, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, these these ideas, I mean, they happen early on because everybody wants to own their own place, you know. So I think that... The idea of, oh, I want to be an owner, uh, happens very early. But then, 
you know, the process of making the idea into reality, you know, that can vary uh, due to a lot of different uh, circumstance or, um, you know, capital. You know, that was my, always my biggest thing. I, I, you know, I had several ideas for uh, several restaurants, you know, over the course of many, many years. Um, but it, you know, it, and two, also, I think it's about timing, you know, when is it right? Um, and I think that happens kind of on a sliding scale for, you know, different reasons or for different people. Um, I probably wasn't wholly ready, you know, before now, you know, and so while the idea might've been there, you know, the capacity or the, uh, kind of the mental kind of, okay, this is what I need to do. Maybe needed to catch up with the, with the idea a little bit more. So, you know, I like to think that, you know, there's this divine kind of, you know, happening where everything kind of, uh, is in flux and then it just slowly clicks into place and then, you know, boom, you have a place. Um, it's probably radically, uh, more difficult than that, but, uh, you know, so I guess the long, the long story short is I've had, you know, various ideas for places for, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 years, um, but I always kind of had the idea of a sandwich shop because sandwiches are one of those like perfect creations. Like who doesn't love a sandwich? You know, and if somebody was like, I don't like a sandwich, then you should probably look at them sideways and not really trust a person <laughs> that says they don't like sandwiches. Cause everybody, you know, sandwiches are like a, a perfect food. They're, you know, they're portable, they're convenient. Um, and there's so many different kinds of sandwiches. Exactly. It's not like you can say, I just, I hate all bread, meat, and cheese. Like, yeah. that makes no sense. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's like, what, who are you? Like, <laughs> um, but so the idea for a sandwich shop uh, was kind of an early, um, an early thing because it was, it just kind of catered to like, well, you know, I love sandwiches. Who doesn't love sandwiches? So, you know, the idea for Phil's maybe started very early, but the kind of true guts of Phil's, like the menu and the um, the items on there, kind of radically changed over the years to kind of what it is now. Because at first, Phil's wasn't a Jewish-style deli. Um, you know, it was just a sandwich shop, you know, Uh until now, we like you know, flash forward, you know, twenty plus years. Now, Phil's is very definitely kind of a Jewish style deli, um, and uh, and it reflects in the menu. You know, you have your bagels and locks, you have your matzo ball soup, you have your um, noodle, noodle kugel, um, and they're like I've got, you know, my family's uh, knish recipe, and uh, a lot of other things that will kind of maybe it won't be on the menu kind of permanently, but they'll make appearances um, throughout the year. Uh, so um, the idea, like I said, was very, very early, early in my career. Uh, it just took a lot of time to kind of iron out the details and get it to something that could stand on its own now you know, because I don't know if if I would have tried to, um, you know, make the original Phil's menu today if it would have if it would have worked or not. You know, and like I said, it takes it takes kind of um, like the the menu and the the me part of it um, is just one kind of aspect of it. You know, and so it took me this amount of time to find somebody that believed in me as well and said, you know, Hey, I know you don't have all the money you need. So here's what I'm going to do. 
is I'm going to help you. Like you throw in your cash, I'll throw in some my cash, and we'll open this place. You know, and you you run with it. But so it, it was very nice to kind of meet somebody that um, you kind of uh, initially start off as like employee, employer, and, um, you know, o- over a very short period of time, you realize that you have um, kind of mutual uh, likes and... Uh, um, you become partners. Yeah, basically. Yeah, we're friends, you know. Um, now, we... You know, there's a, a lot of kind of aspects to to the partnership, um, but at its core, it's two guys that love sandwiches and love kind of New York-style delis, and, you know, from there, it just, you know, you build on that, and you build on that, and you find uh, what works and what doesn't, and thankfully, you know, he is an amazing partner in a um, has allowed me, like I said, he believed in me enough to say, Hey, you know, you, this is your baby. I'm just kind of helping you achieve it. And then I'll, you know, I'll get some of the profits of it as well. You know, he's a businessman, which I respect, but he's also, you know, he insightful enough. He always says that, um, he likes to give people opportunities and what they do with those opportunities is up to them. But he's a shrewd guy. And so, you know, to have him look at me and say, I, I believe in you, let's do this, um, is an amazing feeling. You know, because that's, that's the other component is you find somebody, if you don't, if you can't, if you're not loaded with money and you can't just be like, here, just, you know, take it all, just let's open this place and I'll, you know, buy whatever I need or whatever. Um, you need you need that other component, and uh, and thankfully um, it took me a little bit, but I found somebody that, like I said, you know, he was like, hey, you know, let's let's do this. Mm-hmm. So, so you're talking, I mean, twenty plus years of conceptualizing and learning and refining as yeah. you as you work these ideas in your head, and I know you were very honest and open on Facebook as, you know, even after you find a partner and you start going through the process of, you know, getting through all the red tape with inspections and, <laughs> and health and safety and getting, getting the restaurant up and running was, it, it, there's just a lot that goes into it. There's a lot yeah. of frustration there. It's, it's <laughs> not easy to be, to be completely certain. So take me to April 18th, 2022, when those doors opened for the first time, that first day, that first week, when you're finally, after all these years, you're finally serving your food, your idea to the public. What was that like for you? Uh, that was, well, initially, it, you know, I wasn't actually quite sure that we would ever get to that point uh, <laughs> with all the setbacks. And because, you know, you think about it. And we were, man, I think we were originally kind of eyeing a 2021 open. Um, And then we just blew through that. And then we were like, well, you know, maybe like early uh, 2022, you know, like. And then we started kind of pushing through that and, uh, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if we'll ever, because the the whole city thing, that was just such a such a mess. Really, it was so frustrating to kind of be on the like to be as help feel as helpless as you do in that moment. Because all you want to do is get your permits and your kind of stuff, you know, ready so you can finish building your place. Um, and so every time there was a setback or every time, you know, the city was like, yeah, you know, we said you could do this, but no, you can't do that. Like, why would you do that? Like, because you said you could do that. And you're like, yeah, whoever told you that was wrong. And so we had to literally kind of rebuild. In the middle of building this, we had built kind of to a point, And then they came back and said, no, you can't have it this way. 
you have to do it this way. And so we had to actually rebuild aspects of the deli because, you know, the somebody said, yeah, this is fine. Do it like that and you'll be fine. And then, you know, we do that. And two months later or three months later, somebody's like, whoever told you to do this is wrong. Like, this is all wrong. Like, so just to have somebody come in and just be like, what everything you're doing is wrong. Like your place is stupid. You know, essentially that's how I took it was like, you know, you're a bad person and, uh, you know, your, your deli idea is dumb and, uh, you know, and I'm just gonna, why don't I give you a slap across the face just for good measure? Um, and so there's a point where, where, and you know, this is my first kind of business. This is my first, like I own this and it was like, Oh my gosh. You know why? That's why? brutal. Yeah. It was really brutal. Um, thankfully Chaz has done, you know, open businesses before and he's like, I'm sorry, you're getting like, you're getting like the worst of like every possible outcome that, you know, a lot of times it goes way smoother. And I was like, okay, you know, if you say so. Um, but then you, you know, you, you make the changes and you do the best you can and you cross your, like every finger and toe that you have. And eventually you get to April 18th and you open your doors and, uh, uh, and then right at 11, there's somebody there and his name is Dan Hoppin. <laughs> and, uh, you're like, Oh my gosh. And you recognize him because you've seen like, you know, the, the Omaha food lovers stuff. And you know that this guy, uh, you know, he eats a lot of food and he, you know, so there's this added pressure. All of a sudden you're like, you've finally done it. You've opened. And then your first customer is Dan Hoppen, you know, and, uh, which was great by the way, you know, I, cause I instantly knew who you were and I was like, Oh, I finally get to meet, uh, Dan Hoppen. It was a pleasure to meet you. Well, it was a true pleasure. And I'm glad that, that you enjoyed everything. Um, because that's the next part of it is you open your doors and then it's like, is anybody going to like this? You know, and like, you, you know, in your heart of hearts, like you've done everything that you can to kind of make the food as delicious as you can. But, you know, nothing, as you know, nothing's guaranteed. Um, and if somebody, you know, if the, if the populace doesn't understand your vision, you know, then you know you're you're behind the eight ball suddenly, uh, but thankfully, you know everything just kind of really took off from from the moment the doors opened, um, and uh, it's uh, like I said, it's not lost on me the you know because I know that there are you know lots of restaurants struggling and and uh, you know this is not an easy kind of industry to to be in and it's uh especially i mean even when things are going well it's not an easy life um but you you know you you kind of buckle down and you try to do your best and you know if you're lucky you have dan hoppin walk through your door and give you a glowing review and then you know the doors blow off and suddenly you know and it, it it was really it was, you know, it was just me basically making the sandwiches. <laughs> and so, you know, I think, I think for the next like week and a half after your initial visit, like it was just, I, my arms were like sore because I was like making as fast as I could. And I was like, this, this is crazy. This is amazing. Like we're doing gangbusters and it's really, you know, through your generosity, um, and your kindness online, you know, cause you do it, you have a platform and, uh, I think you use it well. Um, and I'm grateful that, uh, cause I, I mean, I don't even know. I, I don't know if, if, uh, if you don't like it, do you, do you just not review it? Do I just you? don't say anything. Usually. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not somebody who's ever going to trash a restaurant publicly. Okay. I, if I don't like something, I just radio silence. Yeah. You won't okay. hear from me. That's, I've kind of assumed that. So, you know, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know how that first, you know, or the first couple months looks if, 
if you hadn't come in and said all the wonderful things that you said, you know, and um, I know that, you know, I worked very hard to get that review. Um, but, you know, I'm still, I'm still kind of awed by, by that stuff. I don't take compliments very well. Um, I get real kind of anxious and, and, uh, um, I, I, you know, it, it just is, I like I'm appreciative. I'm not, it's not that I'm not appreciative. Um, but I, I get kind of bashful and uncomfortable with a lot of praise. Uh, I'm trying to be better about that because I, I know that it's, um, deserved, I guess, You've for the most it. part. Yeah. Um, and so I try to be a little more grateful and gracious. Uh, but it, it does like, I, um, I struggle with it sometimes. Uh, and so a lot of times that's when I start being radio silent is cause I, I don't know exactly what to say or, um, and so I just kind of clam up and, uh, but I am truly, truly grateful um, for everything that is that has happened and happening, um, because I know that this is, like I said, it's not nothing you do is a guarantee, um, and so to have the opportunity to kind of you know peddle my wares and have them be received as well as they have been received is truly um, amazing to me. Um, and it's not because it's a bad product or anything like that, but it's, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of get out of your own head, uh, and the doubts and the kind of speculation that lives in there. Um, and so, you know, it's something that I try to be a little more, a little more vocal about, because that's another thing, you know, we talk about, um, these chefs and, and cooks and, uh, the kind of lifestyle that we have lived or live. And it's, you know, there's a lot of kind of struggle um, on, like I said, the best days, you know, you have these moments of crippling self doubt or, you know, um, these kind of highs that you don't know exactly how to, how to react to. I mean, it's like I said, it's never that I'm not grateful. I just don't, you know, I'm, Sometimes I feel like I'm a little ill-equipped to kind of uh, receive that stuff uh, in kind of as big a form as it has been coming in lately. Like somebody just being like, hey, nice job. You're like, oh, thanks. But then you have all these people saying these amazing, amazing things about your place. And it's because it's your place and it's your food and, you know, these people – and I, again, I can't stress enough how grateful I am to see such kind words and everybody enjoying um, this food because it is something that I've worked very hard on um, and something that I will continue to work very hard on. But it's, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's I, it, I have trouble kind of putting it into words. Um, I don't even know how to describe it, but it, you know, it's not that I'm not grateful. I just, you know, I get kind of bashful and nervous and anxious when there's a ton of praise being heaped. Mm-hmm. Um, and so please keep it coming. I, I can muddle through bashful and, and anxious uh, because it is amazing. And I, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not deaf to it. So I know, like I said, I get kind of radio silent uh, when it starts happening a lot. So again, I'll take this moment to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody that has come in or that will come in and has enjoyed the food. Um, it means the absolute world to me. So just know that it is well earned, Craig. People are not saying stuff because they want to butter you up or anything. <laughs> the, the food is delicious. Um, we barely even got a chance to really touch on many of the items because we had such a great conversation but i want to hit on obviously the pastrami that's oh yeah that's a home run that's the the flagship sandwich it is just a mountain of meat and bread it's delicious i also want to shout out the little italy which is kind of your take on a uh an italian sub and it's mm-hmm. awesome but people you got to get the bagel unlocked <laughs> like that is 
of all the sandwiches I've had there, they've all been excellent. That's the one where I would like immediately after it was gone, it was just like, I want another one. If, yeah. if I were downtown, I would probably walk back in <laughs> and get another one. That's how great it was. So anyone who's listening, I highly encourage you to go check out Phil's. There's a good chance Phil himself is going to be behind the counter. You can talk to him and, and while he makes your sandwich. And yeah. it's just a great overall experience. Phil, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well, today. I should say Phil... Uh, is my mom Phyllis? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. That yeah, was, uh, wow, you know, what a faux pas. Oh, no, that's oh quite gosh. all right. Uh, I actually, I mean, it's it's funny. Real quick, um, Phyllis uh, was my mom, who is now passed away. Phyllis also happens to be uh, my business partner Chaz's mom's name as well. Right. Um, uh, and so that was my dad's pet name for her was Phil. Uh, so that's kind of who it's named after uh, you can call me phil um, <laughs> no i know you know that i am craig because you called a, me craig i'm but, an idiot I, um no no I not at all not at all uh but it is like a, a really i do use that uh when somebody comes in and tries to is selling something and they're like uh, is phil around and i'm like oh no phil's in <laughs> barbados you know i don't know when they'll be back right so it is nice to, it's my alter ego when I don't want to talk to people. Okay, well, let me correct myself. <laughs> Craig, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I, I appreciate you giving me the time and being willing to give us some some really great insights. No, thank you very much for having me. It's been uh, it's been a, a true delight. I didn't even realize that, uh, shoot, it's over an hour. Yeah, I know. Oh, it, go, it goes fast, right? I feel like I, I yeah, I feel like I didn't uh, say, well... Like everything that you needed to say about the menu and everything. Well, then we might just have to have you back for another episode. Please, yeah, I'd love to. Stay tuned for that, Omaha. (laughs) As always, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.